Hello, beloved listeners. Welcome back to Octavia's Parables, our podcast where we are reading classics from Octavia E. Butler, chapter by chapter. Right now we're on Wild Seed, chapter seven. I am your host, Adrian Marie Brown, here with Toshi Regan. And we're excited to be back. But before we hop into the content, Toshi. Yeah. Do you have any announcements, Road Warrior? Mm, I mean, I'm starting to get out there and do some shows. Yeah. I'm going to close out the year in December. I'll be opening uh, for Judy Collins at Town Hall, which will be really fun and a beautiful way to end the year. And, uh, and then in January, I'll be rehearsing for Parable of the Sower. I'll have my birthday concerts at Joe's Pub. Uh, the traditional home of the birthday concerts. And then uh, Parable will get out on the road in Boston first in February. So, yeah, Mm, come mm, see mm. us. It's so exciting, Toshi. I don't think I have any announcements. I feel like I'm done for the year. (laughs) I I don't know if that's an announcement, but it's an invitation to anyone else. It's like, if you're done for the year, be done for the year. Be done for the year. (laughs) This is a good time to wind it down. Exactly. Um, I'm like, no, that's enough. Yeah. 2021. Good job. So I'm really, I'm ready for this chapter. It's a little odd one, but drop us in. Where are we? When are we? What's going on? This is a a kind of like, I think maybe an introduction sets you up for what is to come. Chapter seven is pretty cool. We're 50 years ahead and we, we have Doro entering the town and observing his favorite son, Isaac, who is who is, is basically, I think, maybe has become the unofficial mayor of, of this. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's the yeah. he's just well-balanced and fluid, and he's able to, people trust him. And so there's, there's a couple of folks having an argument, and Isaac is just nego- navigating and negotiating that, and Doro um, comes up on it and observes and uh, sees him and... He says uh, he always comes back to this son because not only is this his son, but it's his friend. Yeah. We find out that Isaac is also aged and he is still in great shape, but he's got, you know, gray hair and he's he's an older, older person. And Doro is like, you know, they just live they just live such short lives, you know. Yeah. uh, You just feel that for a minute. But really, this chapter is is I think the turning us all into the being that Doro is. That even though we're like, oh, he's so intense and he's so hard and he has this shrug and he's he's such a breeder and he's, you know, he does all of these terrible things. He enslaves people. And this is the turn you into the deepness that like it goes even deeper than that. And I just wonder if what point do we just get to label Doral as a rapist? I mean, yes. This when do we just get to say yes. that? Like, because you know the way Octavia yeah. writes it, she will say, "And then he made me lay down with him." In Anyawu's voice, you know, but that that basically he just doesn't have any perspective on anybody's personal space or being or anything everybody is of use to him um mm-hmm. he is he is violent he is a violator he's a murderer he's a rapist he's a manipulator he's all of these things and now i'm just ready to na- name him as the horrific being that he is so yes. 
we have him coming to visit the family and coming to see things, but he's really there to see his daughter who has, who has mentally called out to him or that he can actually hear and feel, which means she's very powerful. And if you remember mm-hmm. how he found Anyanwu, this is one of Anyanwu's children. So it's very complicated situation. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of this chapter, we don't really realize how, how complicated it is. But Doro claims this child as his daughter, even though he was not in the body of the father when the child was conceived, if y'all can get with mm-hmm. that. So yep. so this is this is basically what this chapter is about. It is about him and this child. And so this child is one of the, the special ones, of course. She has got that talent. And uh, I want to know how you're saying her name. I'm saying Nweke. 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 Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nweke. She has a very, very powerful mind. She can read and feel and hear and sense in such a very strong way. And I guess she has a very long range as well. And so she is coming upon her transition. And if you all remember earlier, that is a very, like, hard time. That is like, you know, when mm-hmm. they start to go from being a child into an adult. And so that, that gift also starts to swirl into a universe of complication. It's just like it's firing off all the time. They don't have any control of it. And a lot of a lot of the beings don't survive this. So yeah. she's in this. And Anyanwu is one of the best people to be with someone who's in transition. She's very strong and she's a healer and she knows how to operate in that empathetic range to help people move through this. In this community of different beings that Doro has put together, there's all kinds of families. And so there's a mention of a family that has like a very sick baby. And the family is a family of people who are kind of in that like mind, you know, reading thing. And they're not okay. Like they're not okay at all. And so they're very bad with their children. And they almost let their baby die. And they won't give their baby away because they're afraid about what people will think of them. So it is, <laughs> and I just love people trying to be like regular Enduro world, <laughs> like anybody yeah, cares. Yeah. But the way he's made it is that it is a community. Like it's a community of people living and working together. They're having their lives and they have yeah. all of the things that come with the kind of people that they are. And the other thing we we find out about this community is there is some awareness of Doro taking people, you know, so as much as people revere him, there is not this necessarily this love of him or this. There's just he's like a God walking around who has more power than anyone, no matter what body mm-hmm. he shows up in. Eventually, they will know who he is. So Doro is, you know, chatting with Isaac and Isaac is inviting him home. And we find out Doro has 42 kids hanging out. And so he comes occasionally to visit his kids but just to show you how amazing Nweke is he's here to see her he doesn't want to mm-hmm. he doesn't want to see any of these people so he's finding out he's getting brought up to speed all of this and I just want to I just want to get to it Nweke wants to see her dad and she wants to see her dad very 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 badly and they finally get together and when they do get together it is like 
it is strange to me. When I read it, I'm just like, what's going on here? Like, you know, why does this feel very like intimate and kind of grabby and kind of like wide open in a way I don't like? And she is just very clear. Like she has been experiencing all of this stuff. She experienced a man being tortured in a multitude of ways and she could not turn it off. So she was like with this man while he was being tortured. And you know, Doro mm. is not, Doro knows a lot, but he's not very empathetic. So he's always like, he can just hit corners of an answer. He can never give a good full answer. So, That's right. you know, so he would be like, but you survived. <laughs> you know, she's like, it was horrible. He's like, but you are alive right now. <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah. but it was me. It was as if it happened to me. He's like, no, it didn't happen to you. Like, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just does he not get it. Yeah. You know, Anyamu would be just like a completely different world. So yeah. he's not really answering to what she needs. And they fall into this kind of conversation around around love, around does he love her? Does he care about her? And Doro notes that his, his boy children kind of think the same way, but they would never say it out loud. And so it's, you know, so it's, that's right. Yeah. So it's more like they, they want to be seen or maybe complimented for what they do and, and how they are, but they want to know if he loves them too, but they don't say it. And always the girls are like, do you love me, daddy? Like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Hmm. And so he doesn't really love anybody. So it's not like he can be like, I love you so much. You're such a good girl. He just does his Doro thing of like giving her enough information to make her feel that she is special and that she is needed. And he tells her, hey, you know, I just came here for you. I I came yeah. all this way just to see you. That kind of does it for her. That makes her happy. And, yep. you know, the thing about Anyanwu and her kids. So, you know, her original bargain with Dora was he doesn't mess with her kids. Like, Not don't mess all. with my children, you know. And he goes, okay, I won't mess with your children. But... He has not only messed with her children, but he has he has a whole place in South Carolina that are all Anyamu's descendants. So yes. he had no issue with that at, at all. And here he is about to mess with her child again. So I think they're trying to, you know, do this thing of, I don't know if Octavia thought this was was better or not better to kind of be like, well, when she had sex with Nweke's um, dad that yeah. it was actually a different being inside the body you know but then Doro has that that body and then is yeah. like I'm the father so I don't know what they're trying to do what Octavia was trying to do there but I think she's more really just letting you know the range of how Doro makes sense of all of the things he feels he owns and yep. it is it, it is discouraging and, and horrible, to say the least. So so they have a, a really big and deep conversation, and they move through all of this stuff. And then basically, she says to him that when she's talking about how much she can, she can feel and how much she can reason around different things around her, Doral says, well, it's not all that bad. Like, it's not like you only feel this. You feel something else too, right? And so she's been picking up on um, these neighbors who are brother and sister having sex every night. And yeah. and it is it is doing something 
for her and to her. And so she comes to Doro with that. And they get into a conversation about about this. And, you know, it is known that she would like to lay with Doro. And yeah. Doro has no problem with that. He just is like, I'm not in a cute body. Like, why would you want to lay with this body? You know? Yeah. And she's like, you know, you're just who you are. I know who you are. I'm not going to do all of the details, but eventually they do lay together. And I wonder if you have a, a question about this, Adrian, because it's the way that, you know, young people become excited about who they are and what they can do. Yes. And when their bodies yeah. are in transformation and the way that they will come and, and like show you like their whole world, like, look at this whole amazing world I have. I'm interested in this. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that. Yep. And then in a really good world, the adults and caretakers of these young people let them have their light and do no harm. Like, yes, they, yes, yes, this is happening to your body. Yes, you are witnessing this. Yes, you are taking these things in. Yes, you are glowing. And yes, some, some of the things are very hard. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the real world, we just supposed to just like applaud and be available to hear and listen and do yes. no harm. Um, all and of this no is an invitation, Adoro. Like, he's just like, oh, you want me to do this? Looks like no problem. So it really does happen. And inside of that horrible navigation that Doro does is his very, very complicated relationship to Anyamu. Yeah. Like, something has happened there that is like, they are very, very broken Anyangwu, she has done with Doro, and he has messed up in a way that is really, you know, I, I was like, wrongnesses on top of the wrongnesses. And I think I, I wrote a like IG post for like the last yes. episode. And I said, you know, just yeah. when you're like, oh, you know what? This is my husband. I could fall for him. Just when you're like, okay, everything's been rotten, but now we're in a new world. Just when you start to get grounded, he just, he just takes it to the next level. And yeah. she's... She's done. He took it. He did something. He took it to the next level. And he knows she's done. And he cannot deal. Like, yeah. Anyangwu is in his head. And so, even though he has this ultimate power where he can take her body, he's doing everything in a certain kind of way to just get at her. And she has arrived. She understands where she is, why she is. She, yep. It's not a good place for her. But you know what? She's like, okay, I'm with this Isaac man. I really like him. He's a good and gentle human being. And, yes. you know, they both are still on the Doro breeding farm. So it's, yes. it's like, you know, she doesn't know about South Carolina. And she doesn't know yet that when she transforms, he can't see her. He can't feel right. her. He can't reach her. So right. there's this, this tight, you know, tight thing. But she has made this life for herself. Her and Isaac seem to have a, a beautiful relationship. They go flying together. They, mm -hmm. you know, she flies as a beautiful bird. Uh, Isaac describes the colors you, you can't imagine. And he just flies in the sky like a dude who can fly. And she tries <laughs> to protect him. And every once in a while she gets shot and she just falls down. And then she just, you know, heals herself, good people. Okay. So I think it's just this uh, whole journeying of this chapter is really it's not like the other ones it's not like you know 80 pages long they eventually yeah. the whole family gets together and they have dinner and the like 
you know, wickedness of it is Doro is such an asshole. I just thought yeah. this is such an asshole move. So he sleeps with his daughter. He sleeps with Anyanwu's child. And then they go downstairs before everybody like clean up <laughs> and try to look normal. And then they sit in the kitchen and they, they make popcorn and they drink beer together. And they wait for folks to come home and, of course, observe like everything that's happened because that's just weird that they're in the kitchen that's so weird drinking right. beer and like hanging out together like nothing's you know, you know we didn't do nothing and you know right away Anyanwu's mm. just like mm-hmm okay uh I see that and Anyanwu and Doro shady 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 and then the child is like in her post sexual glow and feeling right. bright and strong and it's like, I'm great. Because everybody's like, are you okay? Is everything okay? She's like, I'm yes. great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. And as soon as she's like, I'm great, just everything happens. She starts going into her transition. And Doro, uh, as usual, is useless in this situation. And yep. Anyanwu has to come to the rescue. And they say he stopped smiling at Inweke's brief peace ended. The girl screamed a long, ragged, terrible sound that reminded Doro of cloth tearing. Then she dropped the dish of corn she had been bringing to the table and collapsed to the floor unconscious. And that's how Chapter 7 ends. Ah, this poor child. All these poor children Mm -hmm. of Doro and Anyanwu. So... The questions I have, you know, this chapter is difficult, it's tender, and it's complicated. And I want to try to hold space for all of that in the questions that I ask. But I think before moving into the conversation, just check in with yourself. This may or may not be something you can navigate. And I want to, I want to give people permission, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a way that's like, okay, I'm in this, I got to push through. And it's like, If you have childhood sexual abuse, if you have a history of abuse with a parent or other things, this may not be the chapter for you. The next chapter may not be the chapter for you. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of keep trying to make little announcements or something along the way because there's so much in these. So for those who are here with us, the first question I have is kind of a craft question, actually, which is why did Octavia jump 50 years in the storytelling, Mm. right? Like we were really in there, we're landing at Wheatley, you know, getting to understand this place and the dynamics of it. And then we make this leap. And it's like in that leap, there's been a life lived, there's been multiple children born, so much has happened, so many dynamics have shifted. And so as a reader, what do you think she's up to with that jump? You know, how did it land for you? I personally like it. I think it's, you know, this epic thing that allows us to see a lot more of the story. Mm. Um, I saw the blink of an eye for Doro. Like, it's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is what it's like for him. Now everyone's old. And then are you able to imagine this whole experiment happening alongside slavery? So there's little brief moments in here, you know, where we see instances of racism you know, there's a moment, there's a picture on Yanwu keeps on on her shelf of her and her and Isaac's first child together. And, you know, there's a mention that visitors sometimes hate this picture because of the racism mm-hmm. that's growing, that you're just in this place where what they're creating is supposed to be this enclave inside of a world that is in and growing the practice of, of, of slavery. So just 
can you really remember and imagine that this is all happening concurrently to mm -hmm. that? So these people are owned in a different way than other people are owned, but also in the same way. That's a great question. I love that question. Mm. And, you know, you spoke of the Sloans, that couple that's like so miserable that they're mistreating their children. Mm -hmm. And it made me have this question. So when people ha have not harnessed their gifts, they are miserable and they're trying to numb themselves and they're acting out. And that feels like the most current example. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the Sloans feel like the most current example of what we're living through now. And so I want you to just see if you think of your friends, of your circle, of people you've known, do you know anyone who that's happened to? Someone who had great gifts, great talent, great psychic gifts, great emotional capacity, perhaps, and unable to harness it, was driven into misery, addiction, acting out, struggling to hold family. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tasted that misery yourself? Mm. Right? And just notice the different responses. You know, Anyanwu was like, where is healing possible? Yeah. Dora was like, I'm going to kill them, but keep the baby. <laughs> oh right? My God. This, is the, this is the difference between how they look at this situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Doro is many things that deeply align with white supremacy, so this question, what do we learn about boundaries and lack of boundaries in this chapter, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a chapter of a massive boundary crossing that Doro has held, held in such a way that he called it a habit. You know, yeah. I'm in the habit of not sleeping with her children. You know, not even as like I made a promise or I'm in this commitment, but I'm just in the habit of not sleeping with her children, her direct children. But we know that he's lying to her yep. about this whole colony of her descendants that he's he's cultivating elsewhere. And then here he does cross that boundary with her daughter. And what are the boundaries that Anyanwu is trying to set and trying to keep? What are the boundaries that Doro is crossing? Are boundaries possible with someone like Doro? Mm. This just makes me think about the burden of oppression, you know, because it changes your whole trajectory of possibility and I think sometimes it's we don't count it it's like you when you're in the struggle it's how well did you do in the struggle you know what are your victories in the struggle what are your successes yep. in the struggle but what if you were not having to struggle like what else were you trying to do it's even like would we be better and in, in more alignment with the planet if we weren't having to fight for our lives in some of these systems that have been created. Yeah. And when you look at this story, it's it's so interesting that Octavia made him very older than Jesus. So she's like, he's older than Jesus. And then here's yes. this, you know, youngster of, you know, a two or three centuries who, you know, we don't even know how long she can possibly live. But yes. imagine her impact in the world. Yes. If she never met Doro, like what the story yes, would be. If she was able to just, you know, if she never met Doro, but in some other way was drawn away from mm -hmm. her her town, her place, right? Like if something else had been like, here, 
understand the healing you could do, the shifting you could do, the changing you could do, the impact you could have. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because she's like, I'm chilling right here. Yeah. You know, I'm over here doing my thing and it works for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing because then when you see, you hear, you know, real life narratives of enslaved people, but even the characters that Octavia has created in this situation, it's like, you're never going to be free. Not only are you being experimented on constantly, but you're also like, you know, there's limitations to your very existence. So what can you do? You know, you have to be great. You have to be spectacular, you know, and when you're not spectacular, then you're like maybe going to just end up being dead. So Yes. It's a deep web that this character has has made. And then I'm like, oh, right. This is the deep web that we exist in on this planet right now. Yeah. Like it's, you know, I always think about having all of these behaviors personified into one person, Mm. you know, and the intensity of that, like having lived longer than any other human in some way, he's absorbed the worst of all of us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think this boundary piece too shows up in how people respond to him, that mm. people are either terrified of him or sexually attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot in between. It's like either you're a God that I both am worshiping and desiring, mm-hmm. or you're a God that I'm fearing and running away from and sometimes all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I wonder what Octavia was speaking to with the way that the daughters particularly are sexually attracted to Doro, Mm -hmm. like what she's trying to show us because they know that he's their father. They know him in that way as someone who is a father to them. And they continuously move in this direction towards him. And, you know, this was happening right when they got to Wheatley very early on when she was first meeting people, she picked up on this energy that like all of the women Mm -hmm. move towards him in this way. And I really appreciated that in this chapter. She says, the men feel this way also, but they wouldn't necessarily say it, that they want to know if he loves them. They want to know if they have any of his affection beyond just safety. Like there's something that's really longing for love and belonging there. And I I think there's something really interesting about the fact that that is happening. Like it's this counterpoint to the way that Christianity, which coexists in this world, Mm -hmm. is posited, right? That it's like, you have this heavenly father who's beyond all the physical realm and then sends a physical version <laughs> down to suffer on behalf of the human people. And then there's the the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, there's this other figure. And then this one is like, I'm everything. Mm-hmm. I'm all in one. Mm-hmm. I'm a spirit that jumps around. I also embody and create everyone. So I'm yeah. really curious about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so interesting. And the other thought I had about it, this question is, that Doro's like a brat, like that he's never had anybody as old as Anyangwu, and he's a brat in relationships. And so where she is like, she's basically giving him the full spectrum of emotional possibility, even if she's having the struggles yes. dealing with, whether it's, it's like she falls in love with him. She's like, I'm yes. going to be a good wife. Like I'm going to, yes. she's not as open as he is to certain things, but He's, I feel like this chapter and and to the point you're making is where, where we actually see him really just act out because he is like entering a new territory of relationships. That's right. And all he has is like, 
I control you and I can kill you if I want to. That's and right. he's seeing the limitations of that. That's right. I mean, there really is this place of relationship that they're landing in where the thing he most wants and most needs from her is the thing that she could never produce for him because mm-hmm. of the way he treats her. Mm-hmm. It's like the only possible relationship that could have met both of their needs is one in which he actually would surrender to being a peer with mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And being a peer with her for him is the one step he cannot imagine making. Yeah. Like it would, you know, the compromises and promises of that are impossible to him. So there's a sadness, you know, to me, I'm like, there's a sadness here because I'm just like, can you imagine you finally meet someone who might actually live as long as you do? Yeah. And you can't honor that. You can't find the miracle and the preciousness of it. Like you can't like relinquish the isolation that allows you to mistreat everything and everyone. That's right. It makes me think of our relationship to Earth. Yes. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, mm, we love you. Yes. We need you. We want you. Just do what we want you to do yes. all the time and love us in return <laughs> without. Yeah, that's all. Be who you are. Never, never have anything go wrong with you. Yeah. And Earth is like, I can, y'all can go. I'll be all right if y'all go. <laughs> yeah, y'all can, y'all can be on your way now. So this question I have, I felt some risk asking it, but I also feel like it, it wants to be asked. So what Doro is doing feels like a complete abomination to us now, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were reading this and we're like, oh my God, like he's breeding these people together, siblings together, he's sleeping with his children. This is horrific. At the same time, it also aligns with many of the origin stories that we've grown up with, um, where there's an original man, an original woman of some sort, and then together they procreate the earth. And it's always something I've wondered about <laughs> when I read those origin stories. And many, many cultures have them. And the one I was raised with was Christianity, where it's like Adam and Eve, and then hmm, human race, right? Mm-hmm. And in those situations, the only way that that works is if the same thing is happening, right? Where people are breeding with their family, with whoever all comes from that same place. And so the question I have here is, is this a way that Octavia is interrogating all of these religions, all of these religions, all of these origin stories, and even the the kind of power that would be given to a god, mm-hmm. right? That it's like, is this something inevitable to a god, right? That like a god would populate or repopulate or think of population in this way that living inside those relationships, we recognize it to be abomination, right? right? To be like, oh, you can't be a parent and a lover. That That doesn't that actually doesn't work, right? right. Like that there's something that is so painful and so abusive in Mm -hmm. that, that it it actually, we can't structure humanity that way. So it makes me feel really curious about, I know that Octavia had a critique of Christianity. I know that she had a critique of most organized large-scale religions, but this time reading it, you know, I was just like, yeah, I really think she's coming for Mm -hmm. (laughs) origin stories that begin with two you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so chew on that. Think about that. Think about the origin stories that you grew up with and how you imagine it being for the early peoples, you know, of those belief systems. And and how does that then parallel or interrelate with what you're reading here? Did you ever, like, read the Bible as a child? Oh yeah, like yeah. I was. I went to Bible study. And yeah, 
<laughs> this was one of the first questions I had. <laughs> Always. I was like, and who did Kane get with? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, what's going on? I'm confused. <laughs> okay. I'm like, because I, I was outraged. I was just so outraged. I was like, wait, wait what happened? <laughs> like, I was mm-hmm. really. It just blew my mind because it was. It had no. There was nothing in my daily life that could possibly exist. And, and it, you know, like, I was just like, wait, wait, what's going on? <laughs> you know? right. I asked way too many sense. questions. I was like. Well, yeah, no. And I mean, it's it's one that I'm like, for folks who are able to read stuff symbolically, I'm like, okay. you know. Right. But for folks who read it literally, I'm always curious. I'm like, help me understand what, what you think yeah. happened or happened. The gay people, and... the gay people, it says right here, you, you, are, you can't do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, you picked so... that? Really? <laughs> That's the, th- <laughs> That's the thing. Y'all. Yeah, I'm like, mm, I feel like there are some different ways of reading this text. Yeah. So then the final question I have is there's a place where Doro is interacting with Nweke and he's reminded of her father who's who was the child of a, a wild seed Indian woman who could read thoughts and see into closed places. Mm -hmm. And what's written here, it says, the Indians were rich in untrapped wild seed that they tended to tolerate or even revere rather than destroy. Mm -hmm. Eventually they would learn to be civilized and to understand as the whites understood that the hearing of voices, the seeing of visions, the moving of inanimate objects when no hand touched them, all the strange feelings, sensitivities, and abilities were evil or dangerous or at the very least imaginary then they too would weed out or grind out the different ones. So this feels so interesting to me that the the reverence for this power is something that the indigenous peoples of that time, you know, understood that they all already understood how to treat it differently, but that Doro saw it as just a matter of colonization, right? That it was like, oh, eventually they'll understand this in the same way that other colonized peoples understand this. And Doro is going to be the one person who's then still cultivating wild seed in some mm-hmm. way. And I really appreciate that Octavia threw this in there, that she's like, even in this world that I'm building, that indigenous worldview is still present. And I want to, you know, that she off, she makes sure that it is given a voice and we get to see how in a mind like Doro's, that would not be honored, but That's that there right. were minds that were honoring this. And so the question I have here is, what would it be like to live in a world where gifts and differences were revered yes. as we are learning that the indigenous people were able to do as many of us have stories that, you know, indigenous people always had space for two spirit, always had space for all kinds of differences and magics and powers. So what would it be like to live in a world where that was normalized and revered? Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's all my questions for this chapter. That's great. Yeah. I appreciate those questions. Thank you. Lots children. Lots children. Lots children. Octavia's Parables is hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and Toshi Regan. Our producer is Kat Aaron. Our show artist from Krista Franklin. We're transcribed by Jess Pinkham. And you can find us on Twitter at O Parables. You can become a donor, supporter, patron of ours at patreon.com slash O Parables. And you can find transcripts for all of our episodes at readingoctavia.com. Music for Octavia's Parables is You Don't Know the Time, uh, written and performed by Toshi Regan. 
And the Sower Song, written by Bernice Johnson Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower at Memorial Hall, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Marvelous. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow her seed. 